Knowing our Bibles is one of the best ways to know our God. But if you're anything like me, you may have been seeking God and His Word for decades, but still might not be able to articulate what the books of Joel or Deuteronomy or Titus are about. As She Reads Truth, one of our goals is to grow ourselves and our community in biblical literacy. And we're so excited to introduce you to our newest resource, The Big Picture of the Bible. This is a set of 66 theme verse flashcards, and it's designed to help kids and adults understand the big picture story of the Bible, book by book. Every card features a verse or passage from a book of the Bible that represents the theme of that book and how it fits in the larger story. If your desire is to know and understand what the books of the Bible say and how they fit together to tell one story, grab a card set and get ready to challenge your kids, your friends, your small group, or yourself to learn the big picture of the Bible. I'm so excited for you guys to get this card set. It feels so on brand for She Reads Truth and our mission. We're going to give you 15% off your card set with the code BIGPICTURE. That's 15% off with code B-I-G PICTURE at checkout. That's shopshereadstruth.com. Go get one now. You won't regret it. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And we are in week three of This is the Old Testament. And you guys, it just keeps getting better and better. This study is so much fun. And today we have our friend Liz Curtis Higgs with us. Liz has written a ton of books. She's spoken at a gazillion conferences. She's just a remarkable person. But what we love most about Liz is her joy and love for God and His Word. And she serves at her local church, and she just has so much to share with us. So we were so encouraged by this episode. I know that you will be too. Be sure to listen to all of it. You're not going to want to miss a word. Let's get right to it. Liz, we are just kind of geeking out. I, getting ready this morning, couldn't believe. I've just been so excited that we get to <laughs> talk about the Bible with Liz Curtis Higgs. Casually. <laughs> oh my word, this is a dream. That's right. So casual. <sighs> so fun. And <laughs> well, sweet girls, I'm excited to be with you. Oh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you something right up front. I just have to say this. So I'm teaching Zoom Bible studies with the women of my church, of course, as we all are these days. And last night was the last night of that particular study. And literally at the very end, the last minute, somebody asked me a question I didn't have an answer for. I mean, it happens. And oh yeah, wow, I'll look it up. So I did. But now I'm like hanging on the edge. How do I tell them the answer? And so I, right. I feel like that about our podcast today. It's like, oh, no, if somebody asked me something like you guys and I don't have an answer, it's like, I'll get back to you. You know, so don't we live actually in fear that we won't know what we need to know about Scripture? And yeah. he's so yes. setting me free. He's like, you know, Liz, I have this. I yeah, teach that's right. You're not the teacher. You're a conduit for my word, but I've got this. But in case any of my girls yeah. are listening, I have the answer. <laughs> oh, good. Get in touch oh, with Liz. I mean, listen, the number of times I've been brushing my teeth the next morning and been like, oh, I, that would have been such a like helpful thing to say or so clever or what a good thought I've just had. And I just have to kind of go like, listen, I can't go back and do that. And I just have to trust the Lord that yeah. he gave me to say what it was to say. And maybe this thought is just for me and him, you know, exactly. <laughs> you know, but truly it comforts me, Liz, to hear you say that after, you know, you have more years in the word than we do. And That's right. yeah. to hear you say, there's actually, there's stuff I don't know and it's okay. Yeah. I can, I can learn it. It's also okay to just to just not know. <laughs> and that the Holy Spirit is our teacher, is our ultimate teacher. And that's a really good note to start on because, you know, we're all, we're co-students here, all of us. Um, the three of us in this conversation, those listening, yeah. we're all learning. And the beauty, we talked about this a little bit last week with David Filson, part of the beauty of God's Word is that we're never going to know all the things. Like, we can't plumb the depths of Him. No. And that's okay. That's good. It's actually amazing because yeah. I love the fullness of the Word and how every day you discover stuff. And the wonderful thing to me is 
I'm going to read a story today that I read five years ago or ten years ago or five days ago. And I'm going to pick up something this time I missed the last time. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit hasn't changed. The Word hasn't changed. I have changed. I'm a different mm-hmm. woman. I've gone through stuff. And yeah. that's been really true the last year, but but really through all of our lives. Yeah. We come to the Word, different people, prepared yeah. to hear fresh truth. So though the Word never changes, it changes us. And we change. So it's always an adventure to get in the Word of God. And I figured out why you picked me for this particular week. Because the very (laughs) first verse is 1 Kings 1.1. King David was old and advanced in years. Tell us. Liz, you're the best. No, I, you know, that's exactly it. We were just sitting around like, well, listen, who do we we know that's like King David? Who we just love. Who's old and advanced in years? Oh, but that's okay. Again, I just wanted to make that point that whatever our age, we bring it to the Word and the Word teaches us. It's fresh and new every morning. Praise God. Well, and I mean, let's talk about that for a second because it matters to us that we don't just share with 20-something, 30-somethings, that we don't just study 40-somethings in my case. With our own age group, right? Because we're missing out, right? And so it's very important that we reach up and learn from the women who have gone ahead of us and that we reach down and teach the women who are coming Mm -hmm. up behind us. Like intergenerational Bible study matters so much. And I love that like you were game to come on our podcast and chat with us. And I even love that we do these guest one sheets where we interview you a couple of questions before we start recording. And one of your things was, I love being a 60 plus woman. Ask me why. And I was just like, oh, I love her. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you why if you want to know. Yeah. Tell us. Well, first of all, you have to get this. When you hit 60, you truly don't care anymore (laughs) about the things you cared about in your 20s and 30s and 40s. Hallelujah. I know. Exactly. I can't wait to not care about that. The freedom, the absolute freedom of letting go of a lot of that expectations that other people have of you, the stuff that's been laid on you. Frankly, I don't mean this to sound disrespectful, but some of those people you've spent your life trying to please aren't yeah. alive anymore. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so if there were expectations laid on you by family, older family, bless them. I hope they're with the Lord, but they're not here anymore for you to have to mm. live up to. So the mm. only person you have to please after 60 is the Lord. That's yeah. It. You know, every day I can say, okay, Lord, what can I do for you today? I don't have to please anybody else. Now, I love my husband. I love my kids. I love my publisher. I love my church. There's a lot of people I like to make happy, but I don't live in fear of disappointing them. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's a huge set free. You will love it. I promise. Hallelujah. I love that. Please, Lord. Like, I want that. And so, as you said, 1 Kings 1-1, we get David. Mm Mm-hmm. Advanced in years, and like you said, probably with a little bit different perspective, mm-hmm. right? And cold. I love the fact that he was cold all the time. <laughs> because let me just say this, she's. I love that you call your girl she's. We um, do. Yes. After you get through menopause and all the hot flashes, you will be cold from then until heaven. I'm just. You will be cold forever. <laughs> Henceforth, you shall be. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I know I want to jump right into First Kings, but I guess I should, for our listeners who maybe are just jumping in on episode three and haven't yeah, heard what are we one doing here? we are um, <laughs> making our way through the Bible. And the way that we're doing that is we've identified a key verse for every book of the Bible. And we are, you know, if you have a study book, you have this little tip-in card that actually has all the verses Liz is holding hers up that are all listed in one place. And it's incredible, you guys, if you read through those just one after another after another, you're telling yourself from Scripture the redemption story. And you read those verses and it kind of tells you what's happening in that book of the Bible. So it's this like really cool, we're spending seven weeks in the Old Testament, five in the New Testament. We did the Pentateuch uh, with Tara Lee Cobble a couple weeks ago. Last week with David Filson, we covered five more books of the Bible. And then extra credit to Liz Curtis Higgs, because we're not covering five books of the Bible. We're covering eight books in five reading days. But that's where we find ourselves. We're going to cover First and Second Kings on day one, First and Second Chronicles, mm-hmm. and then Ezra and Nehemiah together. And then we get to Esther and then Job. And so that's our reading week.
week, this week, and you guys know the point of this podcast is to whet your appetite, to get you excited and ready to be a woman in the Word of God every day this week. Yeah. So let's start talking about yeah. first And don't fear, kings. we're not going to make you read all of every book. No, no, no. We have passages that demonstrate the theme of that book. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to do a greatest hits of the Bible in a summer. No, no, it's too much. But what we can do is get a framework for reading the Bible by giving ourselves a really solid snapshot of each book. Just high level understanding. That's right. Yeah. So it's very exciting. And here we are. First and second Kings is our first reading day. And we're in the historical books. We're in these books that are telling the history of God's people. Mm -hmm. We know that these are stories about people who are flawed. But let's say that out loud so that we make sure we're all on the same page. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you know some of these people really well, Liz. You've dug into some of these stories. Yeah, some of the stories are just, we just have to be straight up about this horrible. (laughs) Yeah. I'm really grateful you left some of the really nasty stories out. Because Athaliah, oh my goodness, what a sleaze. Anyway, sorry, we're not to judge. Here's the key. We never study the word of God to judge the people in it. That's never our goal. The goal is to see what does God do with imperfect people? Because I want you to think about this. He has no other option working (laughs) with imperfect people. That's it. And so while we might see their flaws leaping off the page, What we have Mm -hmm. to say is these are God's people, some of them, and Mm -hmm. they were used by God anyway. Anyway, the story I taught last night was from Genesis, the story of Tamar and Judah. It's a hard story. Christ, in the lineage of Mm -hmm. Christ. And yet, Mm -hmm. what a story, not pretty. Mm -hmm. And it's so tempting to do one of two things, either skim past the stories we don't like because, ew, or waste a lot of energy on judging them and saying, I'm so glad I'm not like those people. Neither one of those are going to move us forward with the Lord or engage us in his word. And so, so what we're about is who are these people and what did God do with these people? That's always my goal anyway, as a teacher. Oh, I love that. That's such a good framework. And so as we go into first and second Kings, if we're asking, if the question for day one is, and we really have two questions, what's happening in first and second Kings and how does that tie into the whole of scripture? And so what's happening in first and second Kings and a little fun fact, you know, we have, as you can tell, grouped some of these books together into reading days, but we actually only grouped or lumped books together on today's that were originally one book. So First and Second Kings was originally one book, same with First and Second Chronicles, and also, believe it or not, Ezra and Nehemiah were one yeah. book. So when we ask what's happening in First and Second Kings, and when we ask how does that fit with the whole of Scripture, like you said, we've got David is older, it's picking up where Second Samuel left off, and we are... In First and Second Kings, we're observing the kingdom dividing and then being overtaken. Yeah. And it's appropriately named because we read about kings, but also what we're really reading about is the nature of the king, right? Of exactly. the one true king. And that's what I love about the reading that we have for the First and Second Kings Day is that we have this amazing story of when Elijah has the altar built in the moat and the water poured in. And we're not going to read it all, but go read it. It's yeah. such a cool story. Yeah, it's God shows up and shows off big time. Oh, oh my yes. goodness. And then, yes. then what came of that, it's your key words, when all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Oh my goodness. That was the result. And that's mm-hmm. always the result of when God shows up in a miraculous way. That's the That's point. right. It really yep. isn't to impress, it's to push us down on our faces. And yeah, oh that's like, beautiful. You know, where we say, He is God, He is God. Yeah, so beautiful choice for that verse. And then even for second Kings, you know, that key verse for Second Kings, it says, For the sake of his servant David, the Lord was unwilling to destroy Judah, since he had promised to give a lamp to David and his sons forever. So in both of those key verses, we learn so much, not only about what's happening in those two books, but we learn about God, right? Yeah. We learn that he's a covenant keeper. He is a faithful, faithful God. For the mm-hmm. sake of his servant David, and of course the promises he made to him. And 
I stand in amazement at the times in Scripture when God really should just go ahead and smite the whole bunch of them. There's such a yeah. mess, and he doesn't. That's the redemption piece that we see all yeah. through the Old Testament. I know you've already done the book of Ruth, one of my very favorites. And, you know, that's a redemption story, first verse to last. Right. <laughs> you guys have done a great job and just have to compliment you in finding the redemptive thread all through the Bible. Of course, we find it in the New Thank Testament you. with Jesus, but you've shown it to us in the Old Testament as well. Because let's just be straight up. It is easy to get bogged down in all the names that frankly sound a lot alike. Half of them yeah. start with the letter A and the other half with the J. Have you noticed? <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so true. I yeah. Know. And so, I mean, it's not half. Don't write that down. But, <laughs> don't write that down. Yeah, Erase that. that but, um, <laughs> but so many of them, we can get stuck in the weeds and miss the big picture. Mm-hmm. So what you're giving us here is a flyover. So we do see the big picture, and it's always redemption. Right. I also think that it helps me with really all of the books of the Bible that we're studying to remember that they're historical. Like we, I mean, of course, we're saying these are the historical books of the Bible, but they're historical in world history too, right? And so, I mean, for those of you who have the She Reads Truth study book, you have in the middle of it the big unfolding timeline of the whole Old Testament. And you'll see in there that, you know, first and second Kings, that's falling really in like, you know, 700s BC all the way to the 500s BC. Like that's when this is happening. So it's on like the world's timeline. But interestingly, there are things happening elsewhere in the world. So it helps me to kind of place what's happening here in the kingdom of Israel with the fact that, you know, 40 years before Israel's taken by Assyria, the first Olympic Games are held in Greece. 40 years apart. That's so wild to think about. Isn't that wild that that's happening? And then Trojan War happened just before the events of Ruth. Like that's also happening in the world, in real space, real time, the Empire of Japan was established in 660 BC. So right there, like right in the middle of all of the events of First and Second Kings, at the same time, in the world, Japan is being established. So these are not things that only happen in this Bible book, but in our history book. Mm. Right. And for those who loved history, they're so happy to be in these books of the Bible. And for those of us yeah. who struggled in history classes mm-hmm. because we got bogged down with dates and wars and all of that, just remember, these are real life people who really walk the yeah. earth and they can show us, they can give us a way to see into their hearts. Here's what I always mm-hmm. say. Fashion changes, food changes. There are things that change. Human That's nature right. has been the same since Eve. Human nature has never changed. You're not wrong. Unfortunately, that's true. (laughs) But the good news is God's nature has never changed either. He is a saving God. He's a saving God. And so we do identify. I mean, I don't have any trouble looking at some of these bad people of the Bible going, oh, yeah, I've, I've been that. It may not have had the same consequence. I may not have killed, you know, like Jezebel. You know, let me just wipe out 450 priests. Never done it Mm -hmm. in my life. But one wanted to wear the pants in the family, wanted to run the show. Okay, well, that looks pretty good. Oh, well, well, yeah. Okay. So speaking of First Kings, we're still in that, or do we need to move on? We probably like need to No, what were you going to say now? Oh, I need I, to we know. always want to hear everything you have to say. I, we're so excited. I get so excited in the 10th chapter where we meet the Queen of Sheba. Because she- Which, Liz, yeah. you've written a whole book about the Queen of Sheba? I have. I have. She fascinates <laughs> me. I know my publisher was like, Liz, there are 10 verses. I'm like, oh, I know. I'm 10 chapters. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. You're like, this isn't my yeah. first rodeo. I know exactly yeah. what I'm doing. Oh, well, the thing is, I love the word so much. I like to break it down, not just verse by verse, but phrase by phrase and sometimes word by word. And it, so it takes a long time if you're walking with me to go through scripture, but you'll remember the journey because it's so rich. And yeah. so I love the fact that this woman, this queen, comes from Sheba to Solomon because of the name of the Lord. That's what the scripture says. It's the fame of the Lord that draws her to Solomon. Don't you love that? Because she was a woman. She didn't worship yeah. the one true wow. God. They had a hundred different deities in Sheba, a hundred. And so, but she was drawn by the fame of God and she came with hard questions. So she was a smart woman. She was going to say, all right, Solomon, you're so smart. Everybody thinks you're the wisest guy in town. Let's just see. 
And of course she gets there and it's the fame of God's name that captures her heart. And in the end, mm. she says, praise God. What? Yeah. Yeah. Foreign mm. queen with many. Wow. Yeah. Says, praise God who put you on this throne. Anyway, what a story. Ten little verses yeah. there in the middle of first kid. Yeah. There's so much. Oh, wow. Don't get me started. I love the Bible. <laughs> I just love the Bible. And you can never grow tired of it, never grow weary of it. And if you're reading and it's not happening, mm -hmm. come back to it another day, find another passage, keep digging. Amen. Keep going. I mean, that's such a good example yeah. of just how rich scripture is, how rich these stories are in these books of the Bible that are so, like you said, they're so filled with different stories and names and who's doing what, and it's hard to keep up with. But these, to remember that these are real people, real stories, God is at work, not just with his people and the world as a whole, but in individual hearts and lives. Mm -hmm. It's really stunning. And so we get, we go straight from First and Second Kings to First and Second Chronicles, which are similar because they kind of parallel each other, but they're also a little bit different. Yeah. And Liz, what would be if I was like, give me a quick a quick tutorial on how those two are different. How would you explain that? I mean, we have in our study book that First and Second Chronicles is from a priestly perspective, but what does that mean, really? Well, one of the things I love about Jesus, and I know you're saying that doesn't answer the question. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm I bet it will. Yeah, <laughs> he is our king, and he is our prophet, and he is our priest. He is that's right everything. But it's wise to look at the stories in Scripture from different viewpoints. Of course, we get that in the Gospels with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah. We're seeing the same stories from different perspectives. That's what we've got going on here in First and Second Chronicles, which mm -hmm. also, by mm -hmm. the way, has the story of the Queen of Sheba. And I had to choose. So which one <laughs> am I going to do verse by verse and word by word? They are almost identical, except for a couple. And I went ahead and obviously referenced both in the book. But here's what I want to say to our sisters. Don't let that freak you out. It's like, oh, it's different? What does that mean? Different mm -hmm. perspective doesn't mean different truth. We're coming yeah. at it from a different perspective, but it's the same Good. truth. Yeah. And so, oh, I hadn't thought to compare that to the way the Gospels are handled, that it's the same story and we're telling it maybe from a different angle to a different audience from a different author. That's really helpful. Yeah. That's good. And half of what we get in the two Chronicles mm -hmm. <laughs> books is covered at other places in the Bible. So there's a lot. That's such a good note because as, you know, friends, as you read the Bible over time, as we continue to read the Bible over time, we're going to see there are connections that'll make you be like, wait, I think I've read this before. Yeah. And you just, so just dig in, just keep looking. I'm looking at, or I looked at last night, actually, First and Second Chronicles and the reading that we have for that day tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday. And I think that it helps me to, it helped me to see that because last week in First Samuel, we, of course, read about, you know, David being like, God, I want to build you a house. And God's like, oh, like, I'm going to establish a king and kingdom from you like you don't understand. Mm -hmm. And some of that kind of gets, finds some conclusion here in Second Chronicles, where in fact, Solomon, David's son, does build the temple. And that's actually where our key verse comes in. We get the dedication ceremonies. And it's such a fun, the dedication ceremonies are really fun to read. And so you'll enjoy reading that tomorrow. But, you know, there's instruments. And like, I think it says, you know, there's, of course, a lot of sacrifice, 22,000 cattle, 120,000 sheep and goats. I mean, they're just like going to town, like worshiping the Lord. This is the way that we sacrifice to God in the Old Testament. But we're talking like, you know, huge long festivals. And it even said, Solomon and all of Israel with him, a very great assembly from the entrance to Hamath to the brook of Egypt observed the festival at that time for seven days. So like this big party before dedicating the temple. And then we kind of get to our key verse moment here, and we're going to learn about God. Um, and it says, so Solomon finished the Lord's temple and the royal palace. Everything that had entered Solomon's heart to do for the Lord's temple and for his own palace succeeded. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I shut the sky and there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people and my people who bear my name humble themselves, 
pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. And that's our key verse for Second Chronicles, and it's telling us what's happening here, where, where God is saying, I want you. You are my people. Nothing has changed about that. I want you to repent. I want you to, yeah. when you hear my name, I want you to turn to me. And when you do, I will hear you and I will make you mine. And I just think that like, we're not only getting the conclusion or the somewhat conclusion, the halfway point of this story of the physical dwelling places of God, right? But we're getting this moment where, you know, David's son Solomon, now in his own relationship with God, in his own place of leadership over God's people, is hearing from God that God is the same, that he will keep his promises, and that he desires the same thing, which is the obedience of his people. Worship and obedience. It's a call to worship, what you just read. You're right. Yeah. 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 I do want to commend you, by the way, because it's actually two verses that you've chosen there. It's 13 and 14. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Well, because what happens with Second Chronicles 7, 14 is it's A lifted lot. out of yeah. context. And it's yes, you're right. If my people who bear my name will humble themselves. But mm-hmm. that would be following on the heels of the verse yeah. before it. If I shut the sky command the grasshoppers to consume the land. In other words, if I pull a job on you, if I take away everything mm-hmm. and That's you right. will humble yourself, I just think it's so important. We think mm-hmm. about God and all the blessings he gives us, but he wants us to be faithful to him even when the blessings no matter what. are shut off. And that's the harder part. So good for you to include 13 and 14. I am all about context when we study scripture. That's right. It's yeah. so tempting to take verses out of context. And what you've done with your favorite verses is you put them in context. So that's exactly right. They know what we're really saying here. So yay for you. Oh, thank you. That's great. <laughs> we'll pass that along to our people. Yes, we will. Who had a lot to we're do with excellent. this. Yes. <laughs> Hey friends, if you love She Reads Truth, you probably love how we pair God's Word with the aesthetic beauty it deserves. We enjoy being creative and finding the beauty, goodness, and truth in the world around us. That's one reason we're so excited about our partnership with our friends over at Skillshare. Skillshare helps you move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. Their short classes are a perfect fit for a busy routine. There are so many great classes on Skillshare on topics like photography, productivity, video script writing, and so much more. Friends, this online learning community is offering our listeners a free trial of Skillshare's premium membership. With Skillshare, practice makes progress. Advancing toward a creative goal is achievable with short lessons, hands-on projects, and classes designed for real life. Do something today you didn't think you could do yesterday. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash SheReadsTruth, where our listeners get a free trial of their premium membership. That's two weeks free at Skillshare.com slash SheReadsTruth. Hey friends, Rachel here. If you know me, you know how much I love style. I enjoy putting together beautiful jewelry and cute clothes that make me feel confident. But I also know that sometimes it can be hard to find jewelry that's beautiful, sustainable, and also has a great value. So that's why I love Orate. Orate was started by two friends on a brunch date. One of the friends got a green finger from an overpriced ring, and it sparked a conversation about the jewelry industry. Amanda, does that remind you of anything? I mean, it really does. <laughs> Ori is a fine jewelry brand founded by women for women, which we love here at She Reads Truth. Ori pieces range from classic to statement to completely original, so you can find a piece that fits your own unique style. Each piece is ethically sourced and sustainably made, so you can also shop with a conscience. Plus, all Orate pieces come with a lifetime warranty because they know it lasts. I actually have a birthday coming up, and I for sure have my eye on their gold herringbone chain necklace. That thing looks like it will go perfect with every casual outfit, and I can wear it dressed up to dinner. Also, I love that it's real gold, which means I don't have to take it off to shower, and one day I can hand it down to Hazel. And you love your birthday. I do love my birthday. <laughs> so for 15% off your first Orate purchase, go to 
oratenewyork.com slash she reads truth and use promo code she reads truth at checkout. I'm going to spell it for you. That's a U R A T E New York.com slash she reads truth with the code she reads truth at checkout. And then, Liz, we get to move right along to the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And I think that we ask this for every, like we have been asking this consistently, you know, for every reading day, for every book of the Bible that we're studying. But with Ezra and Nehemiah specifically, what would a person be missing out on if they never read the books of Mm -hmm. Ezra and Nehemiah? Oh, I love the fact that they wanted to do this building to honor God. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I think, well, I'll tell you what I really think, because <laughs> why wouldn't I? We are, <laughs> because why wouldn't I? <laughs> why wouldn't I? Right now, we are in a place of rebuilding the church, not physically, but we are putting the church back together after more than a year of separation and You're right. having yeah. worship alone in a room on a screen. Exiled in a way. Exiled in a big way. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exiled in a big way. Just heard a teaching last weekend on, on Haggai and the whole exile piece. We are coming back together. We're not the same body. You know, all through the Old Testament, there was always the building of temples, of places of worship. But in the New Testament, we're the temple. We're what God is building. The church is his people and in us, the Holy Spirit. And so we're in a big rebuilding time right now. And I think Ezra and Nehemiah might give us a little tip about how that works. Hmm. Oh, that's so good. I think you're exactly right. Because not only are they physically, so this is, you know, we've got the building of the temple and, you know, the things that were happening in First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles are the dividing of the kingdom and then the, uh, the Northern and Southern kingdom being taken into exile, being overtaken. And so we start, you know, the book of Nehemiah, for example, with Nehemiah as a cupbearer to a king, you know, and he's just totally destroyed in his heart, knowing that his city, his wall has been broken down, right? And but not only when he finally gets permission to return and they get to physically begin the rebuilding process, that's not the only rebuilding that they're doing. In both mm-hmm. of these books, which we said were originally one book, in both instances, they're more importantly rebuilding their spiritual lives, not just their physical lives. So they're remembering, like they're reminding each other of the law. They're reminding each other of what God has done. They're reading the scrolls that they have, because it's not just about a building. It never was. And they know that. And I think that you're, I mean, you're tied to our, the state of the church where we've been kind of all picked apart. When we come back together physically, it's not just about being physically together. It's about reminding each other of what is true, what God has done, what he Mm -hmm. said he's going to do, all of those things. Right. And it's about rebuilding different kinds of walls. There'll be open walls. Oh, that's good. You know, there'll be open walls. There'll be low walls that you can leap over and go get your neighbor, (laughs) bring your neighbor in. Please, Lord, let it not be walls of division. That's right. That's right. Of safety. Just safe. This is a safe place. Come in. I have Mm -hmm. never been more excited about the church than I am right now. I love that. We've been through so much and we've weathered some very difficult times for pastors, especially you know, some of them had to get up to speed on Zoom and streaming and things they never really wanted to know how to do. That's right. But yeah. here we are, friends. We're on the other side almost. Please, Lord, may it be so. Mm-hmm. It's a chance to rebuild. It's a chance to mm-hmm. end Nehemiah. I think it's exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I really, really love the key verse in Ezra. So if this is the temple foundation has been completed. And it says, they sang with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love to Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's house had been laid. Mm. And I love that because it's calling attention to what you've already said several times in this episode, Liz, because it is a key truth, right? That God is the same, that his faithful love endures forever. And they're praising the Lord because the physical foundation of the physical temple had been laid. 
But I love the symbolism of that, that like, you know, the Lord is the one who laid the foundations of the world. The Lord is the one who has been building his people and gathering them together. And that work has, it has not gone the way that the humans in the story would expect, but God's plan, God's building plan for his kingdom has never been thwarted. He right. continues to be faithful, continues to build. And and I just, I love it. I love it so much. And I know we don't have time to dig into Nehemiah, but go read it, friends, because even in this tiny section, I was so struck by how differently Nehemiah went about his work than I tend to go about mine, or we tend to oh, go yeah, about ours. interesting. Like yeah. how he just kind of like quietly obedient in his heart until it was time mm-hmm. to make a show of it, you know, but it's just so interesting. Nehemiah is such a great book of the Bible. There's yeah. so, I mean, to fly over it the way we are feels nearly like a disservice, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that they were in danger as they rebuilt that wall, they had a trowel in one hand, scripture says, and a sword in the other because they were at risk while they were doing the work that they knew they were called to do. It was not a nine to five and then go watch Netflix. That's so convicting. Right. Because we're just not okay with discomfort or risk. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> was it, their lives were at risk and they were, here's the thing. And Liz, I know that you've written on so many of these books and these stories and she's listening, you know, who especially who have been with us for a while know that we have individual study books, individual mm-hmm. studies of nearly all of these stories. So if you want to dig into Nehemiah, go get the Nehemiah book. Yeah. And really, like, we just encourage you to, like, if one of our goals for this entire study is to, you know, the big flyover thing, but we want to get you excited about individual stories as well. And, of mm-hmm. course, that transitions us into Esther because y'all, we oh. all read Esther back in January, February. Yeah, not long ago. Yeah, like, not long ago. But, months ago. But, Liz, I know, happen to know about you that for what has it been? The last eight months, you've been <laughs> studying the book of Esther. Just so a minute. We've just, been studying it for a minute. Talked, they've heard us talk plenty about Esther back in February. So we want to hear from you oh, wow. about our sweet little Hadassah, Queen Esther. Right. Well, first of all, can I tell you the context in which I'm teaching it? Because yeah, God, in the church I attend here in Louisville, God placed on my heart this desire to lead a Sunday school class for women who come to church alone. Now, this is back before COVID, Mm. so we actually did all physically go to church. But I would sit there next to my darling hubby, and I would look around and I'd see all these women by themselves. So Hmm. I said, let's just start a class. We'll call it solo. And then by the time we actually got cranking with it, COVID. So it was going to be on Zoom. So you start okay. Sunday school class. Which feels all the more solo yes, than ever. Yeah. So solo. Everybody's solo at the class. But here's the thing. We never needed each other more. And God so knit our hearts together. So um, we have like 130 women that agreed. Yeah, count me in. So we get together. And I thought, what could we study? Let's study Esther for such a time as this. Because her story, I had no idea. I think I've watched too many movies. (laughs) No, I mean, there's a danger of reading novels. I just have to say this, of reading novels or watching movies about people in scripture. How about we just like go back and read the story? Yeah. The Bible. And so here is this young woman thrust into a very difficult situation, and yet God was with her. Now, we know, of course, the book of Esther never mentions the name of God. That's right. And part of us says, why is that? Well, because he is everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's like almost not, as it were, necessary to mention him because he's everywhere. Um, We see his hand at work sparing one, punishing another. He is everywhere and all through it. And of course, it's the story of his people. And when Esther, and she's so clever, I mean, she really is admirable. We're not to study the Bible, as I said earlier, to admire the people. But Esther's pretty admirable because she is willing to do whatever it takes. She will do whatever it takes. And she will stand up for herself, but mostly she will stand up for her people. And she will stand up to her king at her own risk. You know, you talked about, you know, building the wall with the trowel in one hand and the sword in the other. 
She says, look, when I go into the king and I present to him this reality, he has the right to kill me. He doesn't have to receive me. And so in she goes and out comes the gold scepter, allowing her to go forward. That favor, that favor doesn't come from King Xerxes. That favor Mm -hmm. comes from the king of kings. We see that all through the story. So I've been teaching it since August 30th. Honest to Pete, every Sunday, you'd think I'd be long done with Esther, but no, (laughs) we're just now in Esther 8. It's just getting No kidding. Oh, I love it. Yep, yep. Uh, The women at your church are just so... Lucky ducks. Lucky ducks to get to (laughs) sit under your teaching. No, I I know better than that. I'm the fortunate and blessed one to be with them and to discover the truths together. There is nothing better, I just have to say it, than women gathering around the Word of God. Stuff happens, and it's exciting. It's true. It's just true. the, The key verse in Esther never fails to remind me about God. And I love that it's technically just verse 14 from chapter four in Esther. But if we back up to 13, I just love, I love what we learn about God here because we know that Mordecai is in sackcloth. Like he can't even be, he's not talking to Esther directly. He's somebody is playing telephone. Like he's like, tell her this. Okay, tell him this. And so he's saying like, Esther, here's the story. Like this is what's happening. And then it says, Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther, Don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And I think that we sometimes just love that tiny, maybe you're in the royal position for such a time as this. But what he's saying is not just about Esther. He's talking about God. Mm -hmm. He's saying, I'm certain that deliverance will come from somewhere else. It might be from you, but it might be from someplace else if you can't, if you won't. And what he's doing there is he's declaring that he knows the God of Israel who is faithful and a covenant keeper, the covenant keeper of First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, the God of David, the God of Solomon, the God of Abraham. Mm We know that God promised Abraham that he would continue his line, right? And then he doubled down and promised David, a seed will come from you. Mordecai knows that. And he said, hey, Esther, God's going to do this. Come on. And she does. And she's so brave about it. I just love this story that Esther is and the she's listening already know this about me, that it's probably one of my favorite books of the Bible. Mm -hmm. But so I'm with you, Liz. Like, it's just such a good story. Yes, a yeah. well-told tale. This one, so is Ruth for the yeah. same reason. It's a, you know, I write, You're right. I write fiction as well as nonfiction, so I really care about seeing how stories are told in scripture, mm-hmm. how they unfold. And Ruth and Esther both, and it is interesting since they're the two books of the Bible named for the women in them. Yeah, yeah. it's fascinating how true to storytelling structure, I guess I would say that modern storytellers use, you can lay it right on top of both Ruth and Esther, and it ticks every box. Why is that? Does that mean, oh, God followed our structure? No. Right. It means that the stories of the Bible laid in our hearts how a story is to be told. And because that structure is there, when we read a story like that, it's like resonates, resonates, resonates all the way through. Um, It's fascinating to me that... When he says, you and your father's family will be destroyed. Well, he was family to her. Yeah. So he was. He was including himself. You're right. You're going to die and I'm going to die. And all of God's people are going to die. So this is your chance as you step right on up. Now, can I say that there was never any question in God's mind that Esther would do the job? Okay. Even though the way he's saying it is, oh, God will use somebody else. There was never going to be anybody else. It would be Esther. We feel like we're stepping into God's plan, but we're already in God's plan. It's sort of mm-hmm. like when I teach on Mary in the New Testament, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and people yeah. say, wow, what if she hadn't said yes? God was not worried about Mary saying yes. We might have held our breath for just a second there. Maybe even the angel Gabriel wondered, but not God. Not mm, God. Yeah. God knows exactly how this is going to unfold. He knew that Esther would be our heroine. But he wants Mm -hmm. us to enter into the reality that 
we step in, or in this case, step up to serve him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Already called us for such a time as this, but we get the absolute delight of being aware of I'm part of God's plan and I get to do That's it. right. Yeah. When you take that principle, Liz, and apply it to the next book, the last one that we'll read this week, Job. And I think which is not a, a historical book. Is not a historical okay. book. It's a wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom literature. literature, right? Okay. It's a wisdom literature is probably not the right way to say that sentence, sentence structure, stick but with that's it. fine. <laughs> but, you know, and so now my mind automatically goes to him and thinking, because the first parts of the book of Job are tough to read, where God essentially hands Job over. That's what um, it feels like. Yeah. To Satan, yeah. to be, and we, we could actually read, I think, part of, let's read part of that. Yeah. But to know while we're reading that, that... The Lord knew Job, and the Lord knew Job's heart. And he also yeah, knew how the story would end. Right, right. Just that first, Liz, would you read that? Like We start in the, in the reading plan on that day, Job 1, verse 8. And, I mean, really, just that verse. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. Mm-hmm. Satan answered the Lord. That's not in the scripture, but I think we hear it. <laughs> Does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household and everything he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well. Keep Goodness. Will you keep reading? Because I want to hear this story from your voice. It's so cool. I love hearing you read scripture. Tell us what happened. We've got a little time. I want to hear it. Very well, the Lord told Satan. Everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Now, if I was teaching this to a class right now, I would have to stop everything. Yep. Yeah. Because he left. You're exactly right. In the Lord's presence. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. It's like a record screech. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Because what we. I mean, there's a lot of record screech or scratch, Amanda. I think it would be a scratch, not a screech. Sorry, Amanda knows more about records. We'll do it that way. (laughs) (laughs) But there are a lot of those moments for me in the verses that you just read when the Lord said, "What about Job? Have you?" Have you, considered, Have you him? considered him? And then those words, very well, the Lord told Satan. Mm. Like, it's tough, you know? And then we go on to see what happens to Job and that he loses everything. Satan takes God up on this and lit- like takes everything except those three stinking friends <laughs> who don't really know how to help him. Yeah, Lord. <laughs> Thanks the for Lord, leaving them. I know. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the Lord. Oh, yeah. my goodness. We're not there. Uh, I'm not there. No. Uh, I want to think I'm there. I know. I'd like to think I'm there. I would, too. I'm not there. Yeah. yeah. I would, yeah. too. But then you take away one thing, like you can't go eat in restaurants now. What? Wah. Yeah. You know, whatever. I mean, it's shocking. Yeah. It is. It is shocking. The book of Job is shocking. Not mm-hmm. just what happens to Job and how it happens, but Job's response. Mm-hmm. And what he does and what he doesn't do is shocking. And that kind of midair position that he has to linger in Mm. and how he chooses not to, you know, the response that he refrains from is just as stunning to me as the response that actually comes out of his mouth. Yeah. You know, and Liz, you are a person who has, you've experienced suffering. In your life. Oh, well, who hasn't really? But yeah, right. When and that's true. Yeah. But, here's but one when of the you think about living living into your sixties is you've probably definitely had some suffering because you've buried yeah. people you loved or you mm-hmm. yes. suffered some kind of financial challenge. In my case, I got to do a cancer adventure for three years. Uh, <laughs> I refuse to call it a journey because that sounds plodding and difficult. I decided to see it as a cancer adventure. And the book of Job, honestly, is one of the things that got me through because 
I wanted to not be like Job's friends. I definitely did not want to be like Job's wife, you know, just curse God and right. die. Right. I wanted to get to the point where Job was, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the Lord. And I actually, I got to the last bit, the verse that you have us focus on in Job. But I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the end, he will stand on the dust. Mm. What gets you through hard times, and none of us have been through a job. I don't know anybody in the hardest circumstance who's lost everything that Job lost. It's like God wanted to give us a worst-case scenario, and he piles one thing on top of the other, his crops, his houses, his lands, his kids. Yeah. Unbelievable. And we know, because yeah. we can jump ahead to the book, the end of the book of Job, and see all the restoration, the redemption. Yeah. Job didn't know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Job couldn't possibly know that is what's coming. Well, we can't know either in our own lives. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, what I decided my cancer adventure was all about was thinking about what's next. It's really easy in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s to really not spend much time thinking about the end. Because yeah. you don't, you've got so much on your plate for right now. Why would you waste two seconds worrying about the next life? But when you are in a place of physical pain and emotional separation from people, because I have to tell you, when you have cancer, people back away. It's interesting yeah. how they do. And I know why. They don't know what to say. They just don't know what to say. I totally get it. Been there on both sides now of the cancer thing. Yeah. But that's okay because what you're left with is the Lord. Mm. I've never felt closer to him. And every cancer patient I've ever talked to who loves Jesus says the same thing. That in the depths, when it's just you and Jesus, he stands before you. And you know, in the end, your Redeemer lives. And you begin to imagine, what will it be like when I stand in his presence? And the things of this world really do grow dim. That's and right. things yeah. of the next world, as in standing in his presence, become very in focus. And I started to get excited. I <laughs> really excited, such to the point that when I met, and I, I had bad news. The first chemo didn't work at all. I had a new tumor that was growing, and they were sort of wringing their hands and saying, okay, the chemo's not working. We're going to try radiation, but we're not very hopeful. You know, I was full of hope because I knew what was Mm. next. So when I finally heard from my doctor, what every patient longs to hear, NED, N-E-D, it means no evidence of disease. The first Mm. time he said those words to me, I said, oh, shucks. And my oncologist said, I'm sorry, Liz, you must misunderstand me what NED means. I'm like, oh, I know what it means. It means I won't get to see Jesus just quite yet. And to be at that place, to make that journey and get there, I can't even tell you how much that sets you free from the cares of this world. Because now I live in hopeful anticipation of what's next. And even though my doctor says month after month, year after year, you're cancer free, you're good to go, just had a scan last week, clear, clean, yay. But anybody who's faced a fatal disease knows it could come back Mm -hmm. and it's okay. Because we know what's next. I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the end, he will stand in the dust. And then read right after that, Liz. Oh, even after my skin has been destroyed. Yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see him myself. My eyes will look at him and not as a stranger. My heart longs within me. That's it exactly. My heart longs within me. Mm -hmm. So when you live a life at any age where you are anticipating being in his presence, it puts everything in this life in perspective. It fills you with hope. It fills you with patience. I'm not quite where Job is. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But I am getting there. And God used Mm -hmm. cancer to get me there. Just like he used this experience for Job to get him there. One of my favorite verses, it's not in your study, but it is one of my favorite in Job. It's one that Bill and I repeat to each other all the time. Where were you 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Is that from chapter 38? Where were you? I think so. I was flipping through my Bible as we were talking, hoping I could put my exact finger on it. Yeah, the Lord answered Job, out of the whirlwind. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? You know, wow, that'll make you shrink right back. Yeah, that'll make you shrink right back. Yeah. Uh, I actually wasn't there. No, and he goes on. I actually wasn't there. Uh, 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 you're right, Lord. I wasn't there. And he goes on chapter after chapter. Where were you? Were you there when I did this? Then we get to chapter 42. Then Job answered the Lord. Mm-hmm. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's right. Wow. The book of Job, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, those couple of chapters where God, you know, after 37 chapters of Job and his friends and the finite people in the story making, trying to make sense of it, right? The infinite God answers in a whirlwind. And it's such a delight. My son, when he was little, loved to hear those couple of chapters of Job. Like he loved for me to read those out loud to him because it's the the sea monsters and like there's just so many things where he's like, "Did you do this? Did you walk along the bottom of the ocean?" And I don't know. I wish I could guess or know God's tone in that because I think you can (laughs) read it in a real almost uh, sarcastic way. But the point of it is that every one of those questions is rhetorical. Yep. <laughs> right. Where were you? I was nowhere. Please. Let me I was, I was certainly not face. there. I was not there. Yeah. I yeah. didn't see any of that. I didn't cause any of that. I'm not responsible for any of that. I couldn't do any of that. If I tried, Lord, I am a worm. Among yeah. Worms. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and you see me. Yes. Like that's, and the, you like, love me. And you, yeah. Me. Yes. Oh, yes. You Ugh. created me. You created this worm. You knit me together. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Y'all, this week is, I loved this chunk of eight, because we're overachievers, eight books of the Bible. And it's uniquely, like we said, they're historical books. We have Job, which is technically wisdom literature. But this week, not only is it exceptional because it's eight, not five books, but it's also like this chronological scramble. Like we get first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, which are not necessarily I think the Chronicles may become closer to the end of the Old Testament in when they were written, right? And then we also know that Job was a contemporary of Abraham. Yes. So Abraham mm-hmm. was about 60 years old, the timeline tells us, when the events in the life of Job took place. And so all of that happened back in what we would say Genesis time, mm-hmm. right? You mean God was doing a couple of different God things at one time? God was doing big things <laughs> in the life of Abraham. And he was doing big things in the life of Job simultaneously, which, Liz, means that when God was doing big things in your life, in your cancer adventure, he was doing big things in my life, in Amanda's life, in our listeners' life. He is infinite, and we are finite, and there's so much inhale hope Mm -hmm. and exhale hope about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, That's how big a God we serve. And we can't wrap our arms around him. Even hearing you say that is so powerful. And yet, it's not just Rachel and Amanda and Lizzie and the she's. Oh, my goodness. Right. It You're right. going and keeps going and people it we've does. never met and in centuries we've never lived. That's right. right. That's yeah. right. We just have to stand back and, oh, it makes us so tiny. I love yeah. being tiny before God. Yeah, that's right. Because in this that's world, right. we're all called to be puffed up. It's just where we are. And God says, no, you need to be as tiny as you can be so you can see the bigness of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Liz, listen. you've given us such a gift today in this hour. I'm just so grateful. My heart is so full and also like flat on my face mm-hmm. <laughs> before the Lord because that's what that's what this conversation has done. And it's just a gift the Lord has given you to be able to to paint pictures that tell us more about who he is yeah. from his word. I'm just really grateful. Thank you. Oh, are yeah. you kidding? Thank My you for being with us. Right. But I have <laughs> hinted at what I love to do most, and that's read the word of God. I yeah. am fairly <laughs> convinced, my sisters, that if in our gatherings we simply read the word of God with all the power and majesty it deserves, I think that's all it would take. Because churches yeah. in the yeah. past, that's what they did. And right. 2,000 years ago, they just read the scroll. And God's word is so powerful. 
we do add to it. We do, you know, expand upon it, interpret it. But just know when you stick with the word right in front of you, and that's why I love this study, because it's just the word. That's what you're showing. Yeah. Here's this. Here's this. Here's this. How about memorizing this? <laughs> it's just the word. The word is powerful enough. Yeah. And so thank you right. for, for your kind words about me. But I know where all that comes from. It's all him. Yeah. yeah it's all his. Problem. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, it's funny because usually we ask you to say a thing at the very end of the episode, but you've just said the long version of it, the keep opening your Bibles. I'm still going to tee you up for it, but what you just did (laughs) was tell us and our listeners to keep opening our Bibles. I will tell our listeners this, that to indeed keep listening too. I mean, go ahead and read this week. And then also next week, we have Ginny Owens coming to talk with us about Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Isaiah. And then after that, Kelly Minter is going to come for the week following that. We have so many good episodes, so many great guests. But until next week, Liz, say it again. What do we tell our listeners? Keep opening your Bible. Keep opening your Bible.